Oh. Look at this. Look at this. I, I dressed the whole background, Sammy. <laughs> I, there's like a cool wizard's orb over here that's reflecting light. You need to at least mention that. All right. I will. <laughs> All right. So. Have fun, guys. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, man. Getting in trouble already before this thing got started. <laughs> Yo, welcome to my summer layer. I'm your host, Sammy. I'm not quite as popular as Pac-Man Yunnan. You may know Jeff Sinisak as a nerdy Troy McClure. As an actor, he has popped up in season four of Killjoys, season three of Titans, season two of The Boys, and Code 8. Or you may know him as the writer and director of Red Spring, an apocalypse pitting survivors against mutated vampires. Well, now he's back with another apocalypse. This one is in a video game. Stop the Saturnians is available on Steam as of February 18. I'll provide a link in the show notes, but feel free to ask the oracle we all call Google. Stop the Saturnians is a classic style arcade video game. Our conversation references. Ready for this list? Missile Command, Space Invaders, Asteroids, Galaga, Centipedes, and of course the classic Atari 2600. If you die, humanity dies. The pressure is on in this video game. Are you up to the challenge? Alright now, this scene of exposition is over. So let's get into the conversation with Jeff and learn how we can stop the Saturnians. Before we get into video games, let's talk TV. Because you've been busy in the last couple of years. You've been on Titans. uh, You've been on The Boys. What is that experience like to step into those like strange dark worlds? <laughs> um, it's been awesome, especially the the boys. When you mentioned a dark world, I mean my my role in the boys was hacking a man's arm off with a machete, um, and that was a real machete. It wasn't a real <laughs> arm, thank God, but it was a it was an arm attached to an actor. So I was swinging a machete within I don't know eighteen to twenty inches of this guy's head, mm-hmm. and with a, with a camera on one side, if I miss it by a fraction of an inch, I'm going to chop off the camera lens and get sued. If I ch- miss it by a fraction of the right, I'm going to hospitalize somebody. Uh, so that was that was a nerve wracking experience. But I've I've loved uh, all of the sci fi worlds I've gotten to step into. Killjoys as well was an absolute dream. Um, Aaron Ashmore was uh, awesome to work with. So yeah, I've, I've been very blessed in the last few years for sure. Is it strange acting in the time of COVID? Because you've been doing this for a while now. So you know the transition of like what it was like before. <laughs> yeah. BC, before the, uh, COVID and then now like <laughs> the way it is now. The industry has changed. Um, my my role on Titans was, was not huge. I had a single day on Titans. But for that job, I had to do 13 separate COVID-19 tests. Wow. Uh, with a two-hour commute there, take a five-minute test, two-hour commute home. 13 times just to get on separate days. So it's definitely changed. I didn't mind. They paid me for it, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, that's changed. Um, also in, in terms of uh, actors in their day-to-day life, we used to have to go into auditions. Was, you know, three, four times a week, I'd have to make a commute somewhere for an audition, but now it's hundred percent self-tapes. So you're just doing it in your own living room, which I love. A lot of actors are not loving it because it means a lot more people are getting seen. So I guess it means less opportunity on an individual level. If you're, if you're, if you've been quite successful to date, mm-hmm. but um, I love it. It's just been, it's been very relaxing. You can, you can, you know, correct yourself. If you make a mistake, you can just do as many takes as you want until you send it in. So it's, it's been a, COVID is not a dream. Let's be clear about that. But the new yeah. style of uh, auditioning. Yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah. Life. Cause it has impacted the industry. Like I've been impatiently waiting for Orville season three. Right. And I know, oh, God. 
right? And I know that show has I love like, that show. right? But it has actors with like prosthetics, uh, which is a very intimate. Like you got to put all that stuff on, and the makeup ladies yeah. right there. Um, like yeah. you're shooting stuff, like, uh, and you're very like. I know it's still a large set, but like you're on the bridge and you're in smaller rooms sometimes, depending on the yeah. ship or whatever. If you're in prison, right? So I understand yeah. like. Seth MacFarlane's been talking like we're working on it we're working on it like be patient and I get it because yes. it's like that's what I mean like it, in terms of COVID that's like you can feel the impact of shows like that as you kind of impatiently wait for them yeah I'm assuming I mean assuming they're handling it the same way in the states as they are here those people are tested constantly so presumably they're getting on set you know without any real real risk and I, I can also say when you're not in front of the camera your mask is on at all times so it literally comes off right before you Mm -hmm. step on set and you put it back on as soon as you leave and you get an earful if you forget for you know three four steps believe me so yeah yeah um it should be relatively safe but yeah it's slowing things down if, if any of them do get sick or just test positive even falsely obviously your shooting schedule is now held up for a few days we resolve the uh the outcome of that yeah but yeah you are looking forward to season three of orville eh? i can't wait yes yeah. love that show but we're not going to talk about those aliens today we're going to talk about some other aliens <laughs> from saturn yes and why are aliens in your video game hellbent on our destruction, on humanity's destruction? Um, you've asked me one question I've never dwelt on. They just are, um, because it's the conceit of the game that Saturnians are attacking. Um, uh, I would assume they want the resources on the planet, um, and they don't mind killing all of us to get to it. Um, the precise why has never gone into. It's more the holy crap, look how many are coming at us. <laughs> scenario for now if, yeah. if there's a sequel maybe we'll expand into why for now it's just can we survive this is the is the name of the game well not the name of the game but the the gist of the game yeah it's to stop the centurions uh like from obviously uh destroying us and there's a, you have a great line uh if you die humanity dies that's the message for the yes. game that's the message for the kids yes <laughs> for sure <laughs> it's, it's it's intentionally built to have sort of a a lot of games of this nature it's it's a it's a shoot 'em up a, a shmup um but a lot of the games of this nature involve you just, you have to kill the aliens and dodge the aliens. But here you have to kill the aliens, you have to dodge where they're firing at you, but you also can't let too much get past you. Because as it says, if the earth dies, well, you've got nowhere to go and you're dead. Mm -hmm. And if you die, there's no one left to defend the earth. So the earth is dead. So you've, you've sort of got two different entities you're always protecting yourself and the planet below you. Isn't that a lot of pressure for a cadet? You start off as a cadet in the game. <laughs> you too. The the uh, the conceit there is that when the uh, when the first aliens approached Earth, Earth sent its best pilots out to meet them and hopefully parlay a diplomatic resolution. And instead, they all got blown out of the sky. And you are literally the last one left who's even trained in a simulator. So you have no no combat experience. And there are very literally thousands, if not tens of thousands, of uh, technologically superior entities coming at you. Um, so the one of the lines in the in the trailer and in the game is uh, one of the characters' remarks, um, so thousands against one, we're going to get our asses kicked, aren't we? And the other guy says, uh, yeah, that outcome seems likely. And it, and it is. It's, a, it's, a, it's intentionally a tough game. Multiple difficulty levels, so you can play it at easier difficulty if you're finding it too challenging. But um, it's intentionally meant to be something you, you replay to try to beat it, to try to beat it, to try to beat it. How do you determine that, that level of difficulty you're talking about? How do you determine, like... Uh, what the difficulty level is for a game like this because you're designing the game right so how yeah. do you decide like how much time it takes and effort it takes to kill like a big boss for example right you have the right. hornet ships the hornet destroyer ships so like how much time and effort like or how do you determine like what the, the skill level and the difficulty is there are two answers for that for me um i play test the hell of it like i've played 
I haven't been doing as much lately as I get towards the end of the, the development, but um, for a great deal of months, I would play three, four, five hours a day. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, if it was too challenging for me, I would tone it down. If it was too easy for me, I would tone it up. So in, in that way, I sort of got a baseline for what I consider an appropriate challenge. But of course, as you mentioned, I'm the designer so and, and somebody who plays multiple hours a day. So I obviously got very good at the game. So I couldn't rely on my own judgment there. And thankfully, I had a lot of playtesters who stepped up. And to be honest, to a man, they all said, wow, this is hard. This is hard. That's why I introduced the difficulty levels. Before that, it was just going to have one flat difficulty. And I figured, you know, true, true shoot 'em up people will be better than me. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not a great gamer. I'm a mediocre gamer. Um, but now, if that's the case, there are, as I said, five difficulty levels with the original intentional uh, level of difficulty that I put in there is the normal baseline. So you can go two levels below that or two levels above that if, you, if you're a much better player than me. I can't survive past like level two out of 25 on, on the hardest difficulty. Mm-hmm. But I had, I had some players initially tell me they were having trouble getting off level one on the normal difficulty. So I, I toned it way back for the easier levels, the easier difficulty levels. Yeah, so you've been designing games for a little while, but you generally create uh, RPGs, right? Uh, that's role-playing games for noobs like me. So what <laughs> what prompted like that creative shift? This is more arcade, I guess. Is the is that the technical yeah. term? What prompted it that is shift? Arcade. It, it, it does, for the record, still have RPG elements in that while you are fighting the enemies, you are gathering resources from them. And in between missions, you can spend those resources to evolve your ship in whatever way you see fit. But it's definitely much more of a Twitch reflex style game. The rationale was uh, several fold. The first was during myself with a lot of spare time on my hands, as I think a lot of us did. Um, and I found various ways to self-improve. I started learning a new language. I started not just coding language, but I was learning Japanese for a while. Um, I started uh, working Ooh, on some old video that, games. Wait, how's the Japanese going? Uh, I worked on it for about six weeks and got to the point where I could have a very basic conversation. And then I got sidetracked by this and I touched space with it still every once in a while using Rosetta Stone. I'm enjoying it. Okay. But uh, it's, I, I'm, I'm watching some anime once in a while. I'm like, I know that word, but that's about it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, uh, aside from that, though, I, yeah, when I was working on the game, um, I wanted to learn a new language, uh, Unity and mm-hmm. C Sharp, um, because I wanted to upgrade those old skills. And while I was at that, I was watching some tutorials, especially those by, by my brother. He actually teaches um, game design at Centennial College. So he had some tutorials on Unity up. And I, those were all about uh, sort of platform gaming. I'm not into platform gaming, but I realized after going through five or six of his tutorials that the lessons I had learned just in that short bit of time would allow me to make this style of game. And when I was a kid, um, I was really heavily into the arcade style games. And I, I've been programming for 35 years games. Mm-hmm. And when I first started, that was my dream was to make a game like Galaga or Galaxian or something. And uh, and I just sort of got sidetracked into a bunch of turn-based stuff. So I, I suddenly realized, hey, I have the tools now to, to make my nine-year-old self squeal with the delight of the game <laughs> I could make. So that's why I turned my attention in this direction. Yeah, you mentioned your brother's into game design or teaches game design. It, and you mentioned like uh, Galaga, like Asteroids. You look at this game too, you can see some Space Invaders as well. Uh, I guess you guys spent uh, like a lot of that youth playing video games. Were that some of the favorite games that you guys played growing up? Um, yeah, there's definitely some intentional design associations with, uh, I, I've married in some Asteroids, some Galaga, some Centipede, because there are Centipede-shaped aliens that come down, and Asteroids that pummel the Earth, and even some Pinball, because there are um, sort of force fields on either that flank the screen, and when things hit them, they bounce off. So I tried to marry in as much oh, yeah. of the of the style of games I loved as a kid. Um, but yeah, for, for sure, those ones. And Missile Command as well, because there are literally missiles coming down to hit the Earth and that kind of thing. Yeah, you also got like, your ship has a, a shield as well, which is classic Star Trek, right? The shields are failing. 
Yes, and, and a lot of other arcade games, like Phoenix uh, was a classic arcade game that had a, had a shield, um, mm-hmm. so I wanted to incorporate that. Actually, to be honest, the initial incorporation of that was not meant to be a gameplay element. It was purely that when you respawn, I didn't want you to instantly respawn and get killed by something that would happen to be right in front of you. Um, so I said, okay, you have a shield for two seconds when you respawn, and then I realized, hey, what if I could toggle this on and off? And hey, what if we could upgrade the shield so it lasts longer, it can be used more frequently? And that's where all the RPG elements sort of came into play. Yeah, and so just continuing that thread then, like on the left side of the screen is infrastructure and there's an image of Earth. Yeah. What does yeah. that symbolize? What does that mean? That is the health of the planet. Um, as it takes, as, as things get past you, not everything's trying to get past you. Like the, a lot of the aliens are there intentionally just to kill you and their laser bolts won't hurt, hurt the Earth. But That's missiles so and asteroids and comets and that sort of thing are, are constantly descending on you as well. And each one of those that manages to get past you is going to impact the Earth and lower its health by a certain amount. And if its health reaches zero, it's game over no matter how many player ships you have left. And as your ship takes damage, you'll blow up. And if you still have another ship in reserve, it'll come into play a few seconds later. But when you run out of ships, it's also game over. So that's what I was talking about earlier with the um, sort of dual um, dual attention you need to pay. You, you can't allow yourself to be put in harm's way, but you also can't allow too much to get past you. So it's, you're always juggling those two um, aspects. And when you're improving stuff as well with the... Um, with, as I said, there are some RPG elements. You can also pump you know, points into the infrastructure to give you more of a buffer there or, or into um, other means of defending the Earth. So it's not all about your ship. It's about uh, keeping both of those things alive. Oh, that's a lot. So then and on the right side is alien tech. What kind of gear is that? So every time you kill um, anything, it can, it doesn't always, but it can pop out things called resources, which are these little diamonds that you can, if you ram into them, you collect. Um, every time you kill any sort of alien technology, which is a ship or a missile, it can also pop out alien tech, which looks like a little computer that you can fly into and, and grab. Um, that's the points you have to spend in between missions. So it's not, you have, to, you have two different um, resources, one of them actually called resources, one of them called alien tech. You use the alien tech to research how to do things, and then you use the resources to actually implement those things. So you're also, in, in addition to protecting yourself, protecting the earth, you're also trying to frantically grab as much of this stuff as you can. Um, within limits, you also have a cargo bay and a, and a computer system on your ship that can only collect so much in a given mission. But again, those are some of the things you can upgrade. If you, if you choose to spend your tech and your resources there, then, hey, you have a bigger cargo bay, you can collect more resources on the next mission, provided they pop out and provided you can actually grab them. So, and assuming you can get past the big boss, you can juggle all these things and like pay attention and get past the big boss. How many levels for this thing are we talking? How many levels did you design? There are 25 separate levels, each of which throws new challenges at you. Um, and to be clear, they're not, um, they're not pre-designed in the sense of, say, uh, a lot of old arcade games would have specific, okay, these aliens come in here and they fly in this pattern. Everything is procedurally generated. So it has a table of these are the potential aliens that could show up in this mission. Which one are we going to send at you? And sort of a background game director that's watching the pace of things to say, let's not get too overwhelming, but let's not let it slack too much. So it also determines when they come in. Um, but yeah, there are 25 different levels with games uh, altogether if you, if you count all the variations of them, 40 plus. Um, but that said, if you manage to beat the, the single big boss, the final big boss on level 25, you then have an option. You can either retire, at which point your score gets boosted by 50% and you're done. Or you can say, I'm going to keep playing a second war when they reinvade and they're coming at you with better tech and they're, they're stronger and more numerous and faster. And you're, you're keeping everything you've unlocked so far. And you see how high a score you can get. I mean, if, if you keep doing that, it, it'll never end. You can, you, if you beat the second war, you can go to a third, you can go to a tenth, you can go to a twentieth. If, if you had ungodly arcade skills, um, but there is a, a both a high score table for yourself to keep track of things, and a an online leaderboard with Steam, so you can compete against the rest of the world to say how high a score can you get. 
And if you play at easier difficulties, it is easier, but the score also gets lower. If you play the harder difficulties, it's a lot harder, but the score is elevated. So you're also juggling which, which difficulty is best for me to rank highest in the world. How are you juggling all these elements? Like, I know you have a background, like you directed film, uh, you've directed shorts, you did all these kind of things, but like mentally, how do you balance all these different kind of elements to bring them all together? In film, you generally have like a sto uh, storyboards, uh, you have a script, you have these kind of things to kind of keep you on course and going straight forward, right? right? And so even if you're shooting things out of sequence, out of the sc screen, uh, sorry, out of the screenplay sequence, like, you know, this is the scene where you're sad and then the next scene you're happy, right? Like you know exactly where you are in the story. So I'm just curious how you mentally kind of like kept all this kind of going, uh, knowing that it's a kind of a different experience than making a film. Well, the good news is I had a, a year really to do it. I started working on this in February of last year and we're approaching in February or March will be the release. So I was able to do it iteratively. I, I mean, I started off with, I started off with the idea of, hey, wouldn't it be cool if asteroids are coming down at you and I don't want invisible walls at the end of the screen. So we'll actually put in con or, visible walls and we'll have the asteroids bounce off and hey that's kind of cool in arcade -y. and then i thought okay i can do i can do asteroids how can i have the challenge hey i could do missiles they'll do more damage but they're easier to blow up and they fly faster okay we can do that hey let's add some alien ships and then one by one i would literally build a level play it until i got to that level and be like okay i want to keep playing the game what should i add into the game next and i'd make up a new alien and then put it in and test it and, and modify it until i was satisfied and then hey what's the next alien so that was the longest process actually it was a number of months where you know, okay, I can play to level three, but that's as far as the game goes. Okay, I can play to level four as far as the game goes. And then day after day, doing all the graphics and that sort of thing and all the sound effects myself, that would, each new alien took, um, you know, a week or two of work to, to really finesse and get working properly. Well, that's crazy. So almost what you're saying, it's like the analogy is like you're shooting a movie, but every day you would basically write the script. Yeah, I guess and that's then, true. Yeah, and then you'd go then shoot it, right? Like, yeah. rather than having a script up front and then like then deciding like budgets and locations, whatever. Like, you just get up every day, you write up the script. We're gonna shoot this stuff, and so it's the same thing. What you're saying, like, all right, we're gonna create these aliens. So then you spend some time work on these aliens, and then you put them into like level three or level four, and off you go. Yeah, that's basically how it worked. Um, analogy of script is not entirely flawless, only because even as a player which aliens actually show up is sort of randomly generated behind the screen scenes. So you're not saying this is what's going to happen in this scene. You're saying this is the realm of possibility for the scene. And let's see what the computer does. Mm -hmm. And then you test that. Yeah. And so there is obviously some plotting as well, like in the game where like uh, you have exposition, exposition scenes, which kind of move it along. Uh, you have characters like major Westra and, is that type of plotting and that exposition, is that kind of different in how you approach it? Knowing like, cause you worked on a film, uh, red spring, right. Which is a vampire apocalypse. Yeah. That's another apocalypse, right. Where, like, yeah, sure. <laughs> where like humanity's fate is like hanging by a thread. So is that like, is that kind of similar in terms of the way that you plot those two things, like a movie and a video game, or is it completely different? Um, I mean, the actual exposition scenes are, are kind of similar. There's only a few exposition scenes at the beginning of the, of the game to, to, to introduce these characters to you. And at the end of the game, if you're, if you're victorious, they'll meet up and talk. That said, they also talk to you throughout. You don't necessarily see them, but they, give me one second. My cat is going nuts at the door. Give me one second. Here. <laughs> um, okay. Sorry, letting my cat in because she's going nuts. Um, what's the name of the cat? Oh, this is Kiri. We have two of them, Kiri and Lenius. Um, this one will only go nuts if you shut a door on her. And now she's going to, in a moment, go nuts to be let back out. But what can you do? Cats. Yeah. 
So uh, yeah, there's there's two major characters, and they they constantly talk to you during the game, and it's, there's sort of random elements again as to what they will say and when they will say it, and, and they they react to what's going on. So if if an alien say flies in a bad pattern and rams into its own missile and blows itself up, one of them may laugh and point that out. Or there's more serious stuff where it's like when a new alien shows up, they're like, oh my god, that's X, you know, and this is the problem you're going to face with it. So it's both juggling information that is useful to the player, you know, letting you know when your resource uh, when your when your uh, cargo bay is full, so you don't keep trying to grab resources when you can't and um things like um just making jokes or or panicking they, they panic as things go really bad and they start you know worrying aloud especially ellie actually has two cats that's one of the characters uh so she worries about her cats constantly and talks about them all the time um, so you have uh yeah two realized characters but it's it's, it's random how they sort of interact with you and hopefully they're, they're, they're there to entertain and to keep the plot moving yeah and so for people that don't know explain who ellie is as well just give a little bit of background of, of her so the two main characters you deal with are Ellie and Major Westra. I, I voiced Major Westra myself. My wife kindly voiced Ellie. And Ellie is the, is the girl who first discovered the Saturnians. She had a, like a backyard telescope and saw them and thought, this is really cool and didn't say anything to anybody until the aliens started coming towards Earth. And she's like, oh my God, I got to alert the authorities. And that's when... So she's kind of kicking herself because she spent you know, months studying these things and not bothering to tell anybody. And now it's <laughs> potentially the fate of the world. In the balance. So she's roped into this entire process only because ostensibly she knows the most about the aliens, although she wasn't monitoring them for their warlike capacity. She was watching their television broadcasts and sitcoms and that kind of stuff. Um, and then you have Major Westra, who's actually in charge of the defense of the earth. And he's a neat character because he not only is he very militant and uh, very to the point, but he also gets increasingly jealous as you play because you're getting all this praise heaped upon you and you're rising up through the ranks and eventually you're at the same rank as him, despite the fact that he took 25 years to get there and you've taken two weeks. <laughs> and then he gets angrier and angrier as you get past. He starts getting drunk and this kind of thing and upset. So like I said, they're there both to entertain and to keep the plot moving. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned Ellie and her love of sitcoms in some of the exposition and some of the, the, the commentary, as you said, uh, can we expect some like jokes, some wing winks, some Easter eggs, anything like that, that are layered throughout the game? Yeah, there's a lot of jokes, especially because there are, I had to make so many random things they could say in reaction to so many specific scenarios. So I want to make sure that when they say something, it's either impactful or funny, um, especially when it's something weird, like you see an alien shooting another alien and blowing it out of the sky and they'll laugh at it and mock it. Um, so there's constant uh, humor peppered throughout. And so how did you feel after like designing this game? Like you said, like you've been designing games for a little while, but this was a bit more of an ambitious project. So coming off the other side now, how do you feel? Like, do you feel like you've accomplished something? You want to do more? You want to build on this? Like, how do you feel? All of the above. Um, I'm, I'm very proud of it. I think it's a, I think it's an excellent game. I, I know that's a very self-serving thing to say. It's my first ever commercial product. Everything else I've made, I've designed intentionally to just hand out to the public for free. This is the first time I've ever made something to say, I'm going to put it on the open market and see if we can sell it. Um, and I think it. I think it's worthy of that. It's. I'm, I, I still constantly play it. And and I'm having, every time I do, I'm, I'm having fun doing so. I can get lost in it for hours and despite the fact that I've put in thousands upon thousands of hours playing it. So I'm excited to have the public see that and hopefully have people appreciate that. I'm also excited to have it sort of be a throwback in some ways to the older style of arcade games. If you look at the modern shoot 'em ups they, they evolved in a very different pattern. They, they get to the point where you can pick up power-ups and you shoot out, say, six or seven beams in eight different directions. And, and there are very different sensibilities as opposed to here it's one shot, one kill. You're deliberately aiming and maybe you're peppering the sky with auto-fire, but you're still deliberately trying to hit with a single bullet and trying to dodge individual things that you can concretely see and dodge, um, which is different from the way games sort of evolved in this genre, more of a throwback to the early 80s in terms of style, if not in terms of um, 
production value. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm really excited to have it out there. Um, it's, it's, it's nice to have a game that I can say definitively, hey, I'm done. My most uh, popular game, I have a ton of games on the internet, the most popular one I've been working on for 25 years and it's, it's been put out there and it just keeps getting updated and updated for 25 years and probably updated for another 25. So there's that sense of always, there's more to do. There will always be more to do. I'll be on my deathbed and I'll still be coding that <laughs> Caverns of Zeskazian too. Um, but this one here, it's it's pretty much done and I'm, I'm excited to, to have the world see it. And yeah, I want to pick up the knowledge I've gotten through Unity and try my hand at a different project, whether that be another strategy game like my old style games, whether that be a sort of a first person Wing Commander style game. I'm, I'm excited to see what I can do with the new tools I've acquired. Yeah. Are you starting to think different as well? So like you kind of mentally, like if you have an idea or something like this, like that's a video game idea versus like, oh, this would be a good film idea or like TV idea. Like, are you kind of mentally compartmentalizing now like that? (laughs) I think I always was. Um, As I say, people know me for my acting. They know me for my writing. Most don't know that I actually spent, you know, five or six hours a day, every day for the last 30 years coding video games as well. So it's, it's been a main part of my life. It's just been a, more of a private low key part until now, until I've taken my first steps into the professional realm. Um, but uh, I was always you know, segregating things into, hey, I wanna make this game someday. And, and that's, you know, there's a, there's a huge list of games I'd like to tackle that I was mulling you know, 20 years ago. It's just a question of picking the one that'll be most uh, suited to utilize the things I've learned here. So I'm not starting from scratch. Yeah, and so Stop the Centurions is on Steam now and it's gonna be coming out in 2022. Is that the plan? Yeah, Stop the Centurions is up on Steam. Um, and uh, yeah, it'll be coming out in uh, either February or March. I'm just sort of fine tuning the exact date, but it'll be one of those two months for sure. Okay, that's super exciting. Like, that's a great accomplishment. Like, oh, thank you very much, man. Yeah. Um, and do you have any more like acting anything coming up, or like is there anything you can kind of talk about or share, or is it everything undercover or like? Nothing's undercover. COVID, um, COVID did slam the industry a bit for a while. It, um, and I'll, I'll be honest. It, it sort of slowed down for me in the, in the few months leading up to December. It always dies. December and January are dead. It's just the way the nature of the industry every year. Uh, but I'll be honest, a couple of months leading into December were kind of slow for me too. So I'm, I'm hoping that 22, 2022 will um, you know, start things up again. Because to be honest, through the pandemic, up until about uh, August, uh, September, mm-hmm. things were cooking. It was going great. But um, yeah, it sort of slowed down then. So hopefully 2022 is going to reverse that course. And where can people find uh, either people or gamers find you online to talk about the games, talk about acting, anything nerdy and fun like that? Um, I am on Twitter at, at Jeff Sinisak. Uh, also on Instagram, I believe at, at Jeff Sinisak. I should double check. I don't know. I don't use Instagram a lot. Um, I'm on Facebook. You can find me under Jeff Sinisak, actor slash writer. Um, or I think there's a way to communicate directly on Steam on the Stop the Saturnians page as well. Mm-hmm. Well, congratulations. As you said, the video game is Stop the Centurions, and it will be out in early 22. And uh, thank you, Jeff, for, like, hanging out. Uh, we covered quite a bit that if you die, humanity dies, which is a lot of pressure for a cadet. Um, <laughs> and that uh, you like these old-school classic games, Space Invaders, Asteroids, Missile Command. And Absolutely. that uh, there are some jokes uh, peppered throughout the video game, which is pretty cool, too. Yes. Right? <laughs> That's it. I think we covered quite a bit. Is that right? Cool. Yeah, sounds good to me, man. If it sounds good to you. Yeah. Uh, you can go hang out with the cats now or like... Uh... <laughs> All right, will do. Yo, that was writer, director, actor, now video game developer, Jeff Sinisak. That dude's going to need a bigger business card. My business card is simple. I'm Sammy, host of My Summer Layer.
At the time we recorded this interview, Jeff said early 2022, I can confirm the game Stop the Centurions is out now on Steam. It came out February 18, 2022. Check it out. It's so fun to go back to a classic arcade-style video game. Let me know what your high score is or how many levels you successfully completed. Are you able to save humanity? If you die, humanity dies. Let me know I'm at my summer layer for IG, Facebook, and Twitter. My summer layer for IG, Facebook, and Twitter. Thank you so much for listening to me in a Netflix world. Saturn, yo.